for everyone listening, I wanted to thank you for tuning in. This is episode five. I'm here with my buddy Cody Barlow, and we're just kind of chatting about what we want to talk about today. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of a little bit different than what I normally do. Instead of doing an introduction like typical, I'm going to actually give Cody some time to kind of give you an idea of who he is, what he's doing with his life, you know, what got him into what he what he's doing with work and his and then his passions, and then we're going to dive into a little bit more of how he um, overcame some of these struggles that he's faced in his life in a way where he's defied the own odds that were against him. So mm-hmm. given that, Cody, I want to turn it over to you. Yes. Just introduce who you are and you yes. know, what it is you do and basically your passions in life. Absolutely. So as you said, I'm, I'm Cody Barlow and I guess I'm 34 now, about to turn 35. So you know, still looking 28. I'm an Aquarius. I like <laughs> I like long walks on the beach. Um, legitimately, I grew up in Orange County, California. So right. I always I always hear people say that as like a joke. I'm like, no, actually, for me, I, I legitimately do. It's one of my favorite things. Like when I go back and visit now, because we live in Utah, uh, I actually I still like that's like one of the few things I like about going back to California and doing is just going to the beach and walking around. Like there's something I, I don't know. I'm not a hippie by any stretch of the imagination, but I definitely believe in energy and how energy permeates and everything. And so you're a modern day hippie. Yeah, it's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I'd say I'm a modern day hippie. I do wear crystals and stuff. Um, That's nothing wrong with that. But <laughs> I wear a crystal, I should say not, because it was not gifted crystals. to me. Yeah, not crystal. <laughs> I've, had, I've actually had quite a few crystals given to me. And again, the same thing. Like I don't know if I necessarily believe that there's any like magical power or anything like that, but I definitely believe in energy. And more often than not, if it gets you to kind of change your thinking, then your energy will then permeate mm. that throughout the rest of your life. So you feel like maybe like this crystal can help just aim that focus into a yeah, particular yeah, energy. Not that it necessarily will always. No, I mean I'm not saying this isn't the case. Not that it necessarily always just will naturally give you the energy by right, wearing it, but right. having that representation of something helps your channel your mind For into. Sure. An area that can bring that energy in. Well, and then have you ever heard of the, I think it's called earthing is the name of the concept. It's essentially where you walk barefoot on the earth or you're barefoot touching the planet in some capacity because there's this, you know, spiritual connection. and I'm using massive air quotes for this. It's not even spiritual connection. It's, there's like a scientific reasoning behind it that the earth has like negatively charged ions and your body is positively charged. So when you actually connect the two together, um, it helps your body to, you know, not decompress, but it's like, it helps your body to lower inflammation. It helps to like with your yeah. mental health, yeah. um, think like there's a lot of different, you know, of course, not super scientifically studied like things that people have done on this, but back to the thing about walking on the beach, I think the reason like walking in nature or walking on the beach, especially if you can do it barefoot is so powerful is because you are connecting with like this rock that we are floating on through space. And I do think there's something to that. What, you know, and someday I, I would be willing to bet some scientist is going to be able to put all this math right. and physics behind it. As kind of dive in more works. into yeah. it with advanced, more advanced technology right. and something, research. Something more empirical, not so esoteric, yeah. I think. I don't even know if that's the right word. But, it makes sense. Um, but yeah, so I grew up in Irvine, California. Very, it was awesome, awesome childhood. You know, it's 70 degree weather year-round. Um, basketball was and still is one of my biggest loves in my life. So that was a huge thing for me was being in sports a lot, especially since I have ADHD. So for me, having, you know, running around, um, being able to communicate and things of that nature, that's always been something that's been, it's helped. Like right, there's something right. about moving movement for me, especially in something like basketball or even pickleball or any other kind of sport I like where like I have that kind of mind body connection that just, it, it feels like I'm in the zone and it's just a very powerful kind right. of thing for me. So, oh, that's awesome. 
yeah, it's it's that's why I love sports still to this day. It's one of my biggest passions is watching and playing. Yeah. Right. I hope to play until I'm, I die. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so too. I, I'm, right. My thing is obviously working out, and then um, martial arts was always my my thing growing up. I would so like I, to get I'm martial right. arts. Why, why why not? You're never too old for it. No, true. Exactly. Well, it's jiu jitsu right especially. Is right. Very exactly. That's the one I want to get into is Brazilian so. jiu jitsu because I know you can be a lot older and do that one. Um, as opposed to like Muay Thai, I, I know there are older people who do that, but when you're kicking and punching stuff so much, like you're going to wear those parts of your body well, your down. Your joints eventually are going to have yeah. problems. Like yeah, yeah. I've done boxing for so long, right? And I have stress fractures in my wrist. Right, and I always, right. That's one thing with stress fractures, uh, you can do nothing but rest and let it recover. Especially since once you're tired, like in your punching, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. you can't guarantee you're always going to punch with the correct right. knuckles. Like right. you're going you're to throw a punch that's going to be a little weird and it's, it's going to hurt. Right. And it's a great skill to know, I think. It's a great self-defense sure. tactic and it's great for oh. getting in great shape. Without a doubt. Same as with Jiu-Jitsu, but Jiu-Jitsu yeah. is a little bit more easier, I think, on the joints. And yeah, you know everyone can learn that. It's for a sure. useful. You need to know yeah. how to fight on the ground as well as on the right. on, on, Well, and plus Jiu-Jitsu is such a one-to-one. -one. Right. Con, which, like, let's be honest, most people, they see all these kung fu movies, like, I love, <laughs> I love kung fu movies. Oh, so do I. And they think, oh, yeah, I would love to be able to take on 20 guys at once. And it's right, like, right. You Bruce watch Lee, the Jackie Chan movies, and he's got, like, 30 people. Right, I know, exactly. 10 seconds. And it's like, one guy, only one guy's attacking <laughs> at a time, too. It's always my favorite thing. I'm like, yep, that's realistic. Yeah, if everyone one guy is attacking at the, the same time. Right, exactly. I know. <laughs> but, um, but, no, like, I remember watching an interview with Bruce Lee where someone asked him, like, oh, would you ever fight multiple people at a time? And he was like, no, absolutely not. Oh, like, yeah, if I, absolutely. I would run away because I don't care how good of a fighter you are. Right. And they are, they could all be terrible fighters. If there's 10 but against jump one, on you but they're all, time. they're all, yeah, exactly. Like you're not, he man, you're, you're not, not yeah, four. you're not going to be able to be right. like, you might be able to take three or four of them out quickly, but like, right. even then you still have six other guys who can take you down. And I bet you, you learned that. Cause I took the same, uh, Kung Fu he did before he started his own. And that the was Jeet Wing Chun. Oh, Wing Chun. He created, okay. I believe. Yeah. Jeet he Kung created Jeet Kune Do. But yeah. Wing Chun uh, is where he started and he went off mm -hmm. from there. And one of the, they have, like the tenants of it, 120 something tenants or principles right. that fall. One of right. them is the killer instinct, right? You have to uh -huh. be willing to take a life if you must, right? Because when you're put in a situation, the only way out is all right, I don't know if these people are going to kill me. I got three guys, I'm on the street, right? They could have weapons, they may not, right? What am I going right. to do? Yeah. How am I going to get out of this? Well, the first thing they always teach, first of all, before you have that, is to run, right? If you have an open yeah. window, you get the hell it's out. The smartest thing ever. Same like, with if you listen to Jocko Willink or any of these mm -hmm. expert fighters that guys know who actually have been in combat and, and that can lives. take your life, yeah. if they wanted to, right? right? They say, I'm looking for how can I best, what is the word, dismantle or the situation, the situation yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Or help this calm down so I can get out safely. Right, right. That is the number one thing to do. And that's that's yeah. a wise person. You don't try to be a hard ass I know. because reality is you're human. I just, I hate this like so. machismo thinking, like, <laughs> oh, I have to go take on like 20 dudes right, at once. So, like, right. Because we all watched Rambo growing up and all right, that crap. Right. And it's like. It's that fantasy you think in is, your mind. It is, it's yeah. like, but anyways, I don't want to get too much off topic. Good, Let's keep good. going into, because these are all things we could dive into, I think, with right, how right. you. <laughs> overcame certain odds in your life yeah right yeah all these things that you've been sharing are all great but let's talk a little bit more you you know like you obviously shared some of your passions you know your family your work what mm -hmm. got you into it explain for that sure a little bit. for sure um so yeah my my work i do digital marketing for a living so mm. you know essentially mostly advertising on like facebook google linkedin etc yeah. but then at the end of the day my job is just to help people help companies get people's attentions through social media or just using their phones, right? And the reason I got into it is because back, let me think here, my oldest son is six. So this was probably three or four years before he was born. Probably longer than that, actually. I, I just remember 
kind of being at a point in my career because I hated school. You know, I have ADHD, so I don't like when other people tell me what I have to learn. But I love to learn. I just have to have find in a particular a lot of, way. Exactly, I have to find a lot of interest in it for me to want to dive down that. And a lot of people who have ADHD would say the same thing. It's like I love learning. I just don't like when I have to do it in this confined kind of box of like, all right, now go do this chapter in this chapter. It's like, well, how does this topic apply to me, right? So when I was, I'm gonna say 23, I started noticing everybody using smartphones, right? And I thought to myself, well you know, in the future, these will likely become even more a part of society. And I believe the smartest thing I can learn how to do is how to get people's attention through that device, mm. because then I have a massive audience and I can, and this is when Facebook was still fair, like was still fairly new. Like they weren't what they are. They, well, they were still Facebook. Now they're meta, right? <laughs> um, so <laughs> I think MySpace was still around at this time too. Yeah. Um, what year would have that been? You're a 23? God, let me think about it. So that's 11 years ago. What are we in now? 2021. So yeah, 2010. So yeah, MySpace was still around. Still around. Kind of more music or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. Like a music it was kind profile. of dying off. Um, Google was still, and it's kind of like I remember Google like uh, Docs and like what we call Google Drive now is still kind of new. And I was new, like, how sweet! Exciting. Yeah. I don't have to like pay for the Microsoft anymore. I could use this instead, <laughs> right? Yeah. So long story short. I decided, I'm like, okay, I want to learn how to market online on people's phones because I just feel like that's a skill that companies will always be looking for. And yeah, 11 years later, it still is. It's something yeah. I've bounced around a lot of different companies and places. I've, I'm self-taught. I didn't take any classes on this other than like random ones I've done online and stuff. But in all honesty, marketing, the reason I'm impassioned with it is because it's not so much the actual technical skills of it, like, oh, I know how to go like do a Facebook ad or Google. It's it's the principles behind all of it, which is the same things that drive every human being. And that's the right. part that fascinates me. Let's talk about that then. Talk about like the principles triggers. behind marketing. So at the end of the day... Because I feel like a lot of people don't... Like, they look at marketing and they look at, at it as more as like sales, right? Yeah. It's gonna, yeah, yeah. There's more as like, I got a used car salesman I'm dealing with. Right, someone right. trying to... Look, and there's obviously probably some sort of manipulation behind any type <laughs> yeah. of sales pitch or, or marketing, right? In some way. I mean, to a degree, right? There's those that obviously use it. They're trying to get you to buy whatever they mm -hmm. want to do, right? But it's also about actually telling a story. Well, so the first principle I would say, and this is my own principles. This isn't like, I'm sure somebody wrote this right, somewhere. Right. But the first principle is you want to make it their idea in marketing. Like if you can get an individual to believe your story or something you're saying to the point where they see themselves using it without you having to exactly what you're saying, like be all manipulative and just like, oh, are you going to do it? Are you going to push it? But you're like painting the picture for them in a way where they step into the story yeah, and not put them you. in the shoes of the individual. Exactly. Person. Yeah. That's always principle number one. Like the greatest movements, leaders, people in history had that ability to do that incredibly well. Like they just got people to believe in something greater than themselves, right? right. I mean, we were we were both raised in a religion where that's the exact case, right? Right. Well, well you can also religions. see, yeah. Well, any religion, right? Because we got so many things right now that are cult-like religions, so to speak, yeah. that yeah, are yeah. like a church You're or like right. like something that's centered in God or Christ, right? Yeah. Right. It's very much I mean, still a religion. I don't want to get into that, at, right? In a lot of ways, too. In, you know? in many ways, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's right, but. Um, uh, Oh, there's something you said there, and I, I, now I'm spacing it right now. That's okay. This is embarrassing. Oh. Um, but it was in regards to, oh, yeah, the how it said, being able to get people in yeah. the shoes of the story that you're telling. It's basically like you see today, how the narrative is told. Right. If a narrative, if, if you can tell a story effectively, yeah. and usefully, right, it speaks more to, it helps get someone more motivated or whatever to do something yeah. versus just straight up telling them facts or In this day whatever and age, you want to call the, it, or data. The best marketers are the best storytellers. Right. It's not even close. Well, not just in today's day and age, like all Ever, throughout. Right? 
you name anything in history that ever had a movement behind it. I'm just going to use Christianity because it's the biggest well, one the that Bible know about. Right? It's less than hell long. Then, and not just that, though. The only reason it took off was because it was the stories that these individuals at the very beginning were able to go out and tell that got people believing in such a way yeah. that they were willing to like die in, oh my goodness, like what the Romans did to early Christians, especially in different parts of the empire, is fairly horrific. And the craziest thing, though, is more often than not, like Christian history apologists will say, oh, look how bad they were to these Christians. It's like, 10 out of 10 times, like the, the governors of these Roman provinces where they were having these Christians brought into like their arenas to get killed in some way, they were giving them outs. They were saying like, hey, you just have to say you're not going to like go out and cause trouble anymore. We're not going to do anything to you. And they were so unwilling to do that, these Christians, because of the stories that they believed. They're like, no, no, no. I refuse to give up on what I believe that they were willing to be martyred. on it. And that really is a very, I mean, look at Apple is a great example of this today. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm sorry, everybody can fight me on this, but the iPhone, like it's a great phone, but it's it's one of those things where it's the story behind it more so than the actual iPhone itself that makes it as good as it is, right? Right. Like, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying it's a bad technology or that anything else is necessarily better than it, but it's not that much better than the other products too. But the way you talk to most Apple people or people who use it all the time is like the greatest thing ever. Right, right. right. They have such a firm belief system similar it's to that of, of religion. Stories. Yeah, right. exactly. It's because of the stories behind it and what people – and you believe that. So in marketing, like the best marketers are the people that get you to believe it without them having to like convince you of it. You know what I mean? Right. And there's a lot of really subtle ways to doing it. Um, like mass manipulation is what I ultimately call it is something that's always fascinated me because – you know, I love history, and I've seen where mass manipulation has been used in history for good and where it's been used for really bad. And it's like, it's usually one or the other. I've never seen there, like, be a middle ground for mass manipulation, right? Like, hey, let's all just be good people and, like, treat each other treat well. Treat each other well and eat as equals. Oh, nobody wants to do that? that Dang way. it. You know, like, yeah, like, I've never seen <laughs> well, it's that. Well, because, well, maybe it could be that is just it doesn't sound as sexy as right, the right, other right. side. Exactly. It's more appealing to, to go to the extreme. To your point, and that's another marketing principle is you have to – to make it emotional for people, more often than not, you do have to go to an extreme of some kind because then it's not a tangible, Why is real. That? Ex explain that because I mean, I mean, I, I get it, but I feel right. like some people will listen to that and be like, "Well, then uh, that could always be used." How does that could that really be used for good if it's constantly taken to the extremes? Well, a great example of this is if you let's just take health for example. Yeah, is one. Um, you know, with the, especially the amount of people in the United States who are obese. Caitlin, my right. wife and I, Caitlin, were talking about this last night, and I'm like, I definitely believe there is a genetic, uh, I don't even know what you call it, uh, reasoning behind obesity for a good number of people, but not as many people. Meaning, as, meaning like, there are certain people that are just genetically going to be predisposed to being heavier. Well, right. Okay, fair right. enough. That's fair what enough. I'm saying. I, I, the reason I say because if anyone listening, I come from the health and fitness industry. Right, right, right. I've been right. doing that for 10 years. And, some may call me fat phobic, and I will definitely <laughs> right. say I am. I'm not fat person phobic. I am fat. I don't in even a think sense. you're fat phobic. I think no. You're what just, I mean is, it's like I don't the fat, the idea of fat and the research behind if you have too much fat on right. your body, right? Right. Is is astronomically kind of, negative for the individual, right? right? You're right. you're at risk more for Everything. heart disease, heart attack, stroke, diabetes, look at COVID, or sorry, whatever I, you want to call it. We might get censored if no, I say it. Look we, at this is not up. this is not a yeah, PC right, I, podcast. I don't um, give a damn about that. No, I want people that. to like, hear all the vast majority of the people who have either died or had severe severe issues with COVID. I want to say it's like ninety five percent of them are well, people who are obese. Comorbidities, right? Yeah. And we are a very obese nation. Why? Because we've been exactly. very we're we're very spoiled. We're very privileged right. nation too, as well as as many problems as we do right. have. If you look at the rest of the world, you know, we don't, we're not in survival mode. They do say that what is the, the ability to 
to talk and work on mental health and all these types of things is a sign of, of a society that's gone out of survival mode yeah. as living in more of a luxurious mode well, now because yeah, we exactly. can work on these yeah. things. Yeah. So, but no, you're exactly right. It's like, that is a problem. Right. That, and right. with a lot of people I've worked with over the past, I don't know how many, it's been over 2,000, mostly women that were uh-huh. obese, you know, the more and more they lost weight, the better they felt, the right. more they handled sickness the well. they were. The less they got sick, it right. doesn't mean they didn't get sick, right? No, that's not like, happen. People right. still die, yeah. even as healthy people right. from diseases. It happens all the time. Uh, but the, you are less likely to suffer real big complications. Yeah. Just like I mean, I got COVID too. Now I'm not going to say that's how everyone's going to deal with it. No. I had a headache for a day and that was it. Right. But I'm different still. But everyone I work with that's lost weight or that's even working on being healthy, that eats healthy and stuff, handles those things. Right. Well. Right, but anyways, I feel like I went on a no, 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 you're good. Your your bio. So, <laughs> but continue on with what you're saying. Um, you and Caitlin no, are all, talking about this. All I was gonna say was just that my my argument was that even the, the people who are actually like truly genetically obese, I would argue, is a smaller percentage than what most of society right. accepts. Right. Right. In the vast majority of the people in the United States who are obese, it's because of choices that they're making in their life. At least ninety percent of that over. Like maybe the ten percent that is actually genetic, right? So right. That, that's this starting premise for my argument. There right? are people that yes, that, look, there's always going to be people that don't fit into right. that box. It's always going right. to be the case, and you have to be understanding and and I think compassionate towards that to exactly a, to, to an extent, right. but not to the point where you coddle and enable a behavior. So that you makes are it hitting worse. on one of the key marketing principles too, okay. which so is when you're, you're right. speaking to an audience. In this case, if I wanted to get a lot of people to start losing weight and being like, hey, yeah, I can make these changes, right. I would I would attack the extreme. That's exactly what I would do. I'll go, oh, you could be this six hundred pound person very easily. Or but it's not but then you say something like, But it's not your fault, right? Because then it takes away that pressure of them of like, Oh no, I am the fall problem. Which in marketing, because then once you say it's not your fault, you're dealing with something that so many people have to deal with. And it's okay, because guess what? There is hope for you. And there is a way for you to be able to get out of this. That's a far more acceptable message than somebody saying, you're a fat fuck and you need to get changed and do all this I stuff, mean, right? right? Well, what, what about like a middle message then? The middle message would be, obviously you take them to the extreme, right? Because you have to paint that picture right. out. It's like for anyone, you have to say, right. look, if this continues if on, where is it going to leave? You'll get diabetes. In five years, this, 10 yeah. years, 20 years from now. Absolutely. And myself included, because I'm 37 now, so I'm facing different physical complications. For sure. But, like, um, but it's like, so if you, you paint that picture and be like, look, part of this isn't your fault, but some of it is. What kind of choices are you making? Exactly. Like, so how, how do you balance that where you're like saying, cause in my mind, when I hear that, but maybe that's just me, maybe I'm right. a little biased, which right. I, I'll admit we all that's have fair. our bias, yeah. biases, right? Yeah. When I, when I, when I would always paint a picture for some, look, if you don't stop this in 10 years, what could happen? All right. Look, yes, you're more genetically predisposed to make, making it more difficult for you to lose the weight, which you have. Right. But what behaviors are you doing right now that's making it harder for you to actually well, get to where you want to be? And that's why you go to the extremes in a marketing message. Um, and not well, I won't say every single marketing message doesn't have extremes in it. They all do because that's that's how you get people's attention, right? Mm. It has to be something where it's a threat. Okay. Um, in most so my marketing approach in most cases is based off of very very basic human needs because what most people don't realize is that humans were for hundred something thousand years were hunter gatherers like we were just roaming right. around we're surviving doing what we could have survived so that right. means so it's like case in point um and this is just my theory i don't i'm sure there's something out there that backs up what i'm about to say but like i think the reason men are so easily able to compartmentalize in their minds is because when we were hunter gatherers for a hundred thousand years we were the ones generally out hunting 
right? And when you're hunting, you have to be able to compartmentalize of like, so you don't die, right? right? It's like, oh, right. that movement in the bush over there, it's like now everything else doesn't exist. It's like that could be a First, danger. First, you got to focus about, on this. Yeah, that could be food or that could be danger, and right. I need to make sure I'm focused on that and block everything else out, right? Whereas right. when you're in this case, for you know, where most women were kind of running the societies at the time with you know keeping everything together, that's also why women interconnect everything in their minds so much too, because they have to keep everything connected to make sure society moves forward. This is something that's deeply ingrained in us, right? And everything from um, it's like why we can't drive on the freeway. Like most people can't drive on the freeway without looking at roadkill. It's disgusting. Nobody really wants to look at it. But why do we look at it? Because it's something unique in our surroundings that we don't get to see all the time. And that's what marketing ultimately you have to do is. And you can do that with words where it's something you're painting a picture with your words that people don't get to see all the time. And that's, that's you're really creating what, what I call a roadkill effect. Exactly. Yeah. And hopefully it's better than roadkill. Like what you're actually offering up isn't roadkill. Right. But, but I'm saying it, it catches that attention. It's but you can sell extreme. roadkill to people without them noticing it because of how well you can paint the picture for them. Right. That so that's where ultimately for my career where I've been fascinated with all this. And now it comes down to the fact that we have these massive, massive communication tools like, well, I guess they're called Meta now, the company formerly known as Facebook <laughs> and Google and uh, Twitter and, and just go down the list, right? There's so many that I'm not even mentioning right now that allow you to put one thing out that can get in front of 50 to 100,000, even millions of people within 20, like less than 24 seconds, right? Or a very, very quick period of time. That's never been the case before in human history, that kind of mass communication on that level. Because even when there's the advent of the telephone uh, Morse code and things like that. Usually it was still one-to-one -one that then still had to spread to many. Whereas now, like what, what's my Twitter following? It's not great. I don't really use Twitter all that much, but I think it's like 400 people. Like I put a tweet out and I know at least from an algorithmic standpoint, two, 300 people will have that on their feed in some way. Now what they do with it, who knows? But so now it's even easier to utilize these things to get people to take action in some way. And, and again, I, I see both the good and the positive of that happening in today's society, right? right? right. Um, and that's, yeah, that, that's just something I've been what, what would you say for so long. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to ask this one more question. Let's yeah, get good. into you and what, you know, what sure, you've overcome sure. to get to this point and all that stuff yeah. too. Um, but so you mentioned like get the both good and the bad. So how, what would you say is the good about it? What's the bad and how do people filter between the two with marketing? Yeah. Um, I think the good is that ultimately marketing can get people to do things that they wouldn't otherwise do that can benefit their life. Right. You know, because most Them people as a person, their family, and the community. Exactly. As a whole. Yeah. Because like, at the end of the day, people are lazy. I mean, that's <laughs> that's what it is. I and, agree. And 100%. I, I mean, we want to be lazy at least. And in this case, like what you were saying earlier about we live in this luxurious time, it's true. That's that's what's happened with not just American society, but a lot of societies around the world. Well, around the world. We have so many luxuries at our fingertips. Up, yeah, but with it comes a lot of problems, be, too. We're becoming lazy, and we right. don't have that that creature to fight anymore. We don't have that animal to fight anymore, right? So it's something that I do. I ultimately just think it's we, you have to have the challenges in your life to kind of keep you reminded of, like, oh, yeah, like it isn't always good. It isn't always great. I need to you know, keep fighting in that way. So... Um, but yeah, like it is, it's just the human condition is just fascinating to me. And it's something right. that I've always wanted to understand better. And I feel like marketing at its core is really just that it's experimentation with the human condition and like what gets people to take action. So that's the positive of it. The negative of it is exactly the opposite, which is, yeah, a lot of people can get easily manipulated into doing things that they otherwise wouldn't do if they were clear headed, but they get so emotionally right. driven behind it that they don't 
want to get clear-headed on it, and they just only look at that and, way. And I, I can imagine people that are more impulsive, have more impulsive-like behaviors and not real discipline over certain things can easily be the right. ones that are taken advantage by such messaging. Right. right. So it's, it's one of those things where I just... I don't know. Like I, again, like I said earlier, I've seen in history and even in recent history both the good and the bad that's come from. I keep calling it mass manipulation, but just getting people in, on a to believe something different on a on a big level or even on a small level because that's the thing. Like if you, I mean, if Christianity were to be taken seriously in its history, it's like it started with twelve people, right? It became one of the biggest movements in history, uh, arguably. So. It, it doesn't have to be something where you get a, I would argue that from a marketing standpoint, if you can get, yeah, like five to seven people, even 10 people to really believe in what you're doing. I mean, like it creates a huge ripple effect. Like what's the word I'm looking for? They, it's a, it's usually used for a zealot. Like if you yeah. get people to zealously follow something you're doing, that's really all you need to go out and make some really crazy stuff happen. I mean, again, I'm going to use some really bad examples for this. Like you look at the Nazi party and how they came to power in Germany, exactly the same thing. Like it started with just a few people that truly believed in what they were doing. And then that turned into that same thing with communism in both Russia and in China. Um, even cap well, capitalism is different because capitalism, you have to convince other people of it. It didn't come about it. in the same way. Yes. There was atrocities that happened. For sure. They were just like with any system. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But it was, it's, it's, it's formulation was different. Sorry. That's that's just the thing, and I, I don't think the majority of people, and this is going to sound really mean, I, I would even throw myself into this category. I don't think the majority of people are smart enough to really see when they're being manipulated by the stuff. In fact, no, I would say nobody really I would really say that's is, really true. I would say nobody's really smart enough because at the end of the day, every single person in the world, I don't care how much of a logical, straightforward, scientific thinker you are, can have their manip their emotions manipulated. You just have to find those triggers, right? right? And it's so different for every person, but more often than not, in groups of people, the triggers are the exact same, right? And you know, you look just look at politics, right? Right. If you want to inflame people on the right or the left, I guarantee everybody listening can think of one or two categories that they can touch on that will absolutely get people fired up on this. Oh yeah, right? absolutely. I mean, I mean, I, I agree with that 100. Yeah. So There's that's a couple of things you say there. I think are really powerful and important to remember, and that is when everyone's got, no one is really truly, I think, smart enough or bright enough to know when all the time when they're not being possessed by an idea or an ideology. Yeah. Right? You see it all the time, even with the best thinkers in the world, even people you may admi might admire have those moments, mm -hmm. but we don't realize until we look back. Like, for example, myself, mm -hmm. um, I remember I used to be very much, I wouldn't say a right winger, right? But right. I was just more everything right pro-conservative. My proclivities yeah, yeah. lean more on the conservative end. Right. Right. And so anything that would oppose that, I'd view as being, oh, that's just stupid, that's just that. But as right. I grow older, I'm like, oh, wait, hold on a second. Yeah. Right, it's like I was actually more possessed by an idea at this point right. than I am now. And as the older I get, this hopefully the more I desire to keep learning, I will notice more and more things that I can be less mm -hmm. strict on. I guess you could say for sure. But also yeah. know where I need to have no tolerance on the things I can mm -hmm. have less. I mean, more openness too. But you being willing to even have that conversation with yourself puts you. I'm, I'm just going to say ahead of like 99.9% .9 of the population because. So few people are willing to do that and honestly do that. Like the easiest people in the world to manipulate are people who are educated legitimately. No, I agree. Especially nowadays. They think they know better like. than everybody else. Right. And that's what, and you can play to that ego. Right. And then they can so get stuck much. in yeah. that world to where they become so blinded by their own intelligence we see that, that they don't United, realize, yeah. hey, um, I'm actually wrong here. Right. Despite the so-called brilliance I possess, I'm uh, still very flawed. 
Exactly. Well, and it's not just that. It's like my arguments are very flawed too. It's like well, so many everything. people in politics now, like that's their problem is they're educated. So well, yeah. they think, oh, I know better right. because I've seen all these studies. It's like, how do you even know those studies are correct? Right. Like, well, you're going back to like, um, look at look at the economic systems, right? Right. It's not that people who criticize capitalism don't have a point. Right. I, they do have a valid point, just like they may have a point too of why they support things like socialism or communism. Right. There's understandable reasons, yeah. right? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. it does give this promise, and there's some benefit to that. Right. And there is a counter-argument. I totally it's agree. It's just a matter of, all right, uh, what is the well, best out of all these worst systems, and what's terrible like, systems that what's we realistic, have? Right? Well, what's realistic, right? What's realistic with the human condition? What the problem comes down to is yeah. when you start ignoring human nature. Exactly. Right? And we're thinking, oh, well, everybody, with each generation, we just get better and better. No, that's bullshit. Like, no, no, we don't. <laughs> with each generation, we have to keep working. We've come helping them understand depraved. the human condition and how we're actually, it takes a lot of work to be good. Yeah, there is it's this, very uh, hard to be good. It's very hard to do the right thing. Yeah. And you have to re- keep yourself in check and be like, all right, hold on a second. Instead right. of me going out there and always trying to fix everything outside of myself, what am I messing up? Where am I falling short right. on this? Because maybe I really don't know. Exactly. Exactly. And it's <laughs> maybe I have evil intentions that I'm not even right. aware of. Everybody does. I mean, right. that's part of human nature. Right? And it's, so I have two points before we go back to one of the other topics. But the first point was, this is always my number one argument against when people talk about socialism. Because I agree. I'm like, so socialism yeah, We're going from marketing to socialism right now. But I guess right. it's about messaging, and they do give a message exactly. similar to marketing. But, the point, but to your point, though, and I think it's the most accurate one, is at the end of the day, you have to account for human nature in any political economic system, right? Anything and people in sociali- who believe in socialism always like to leave out that, that part of human nature. Like, oh, well, everybody will just take, take care of each other. I'm like... No, they won't. Like, I'm sorry, I don't care how much you say. There's going to be more than enough people that will take advantage of that system, too, no matter how much you think of government has centralized it and all that. Like, that's number one. Number two is there's this guy, um, I think he passed away like a year or two ago from cancer, but his name was Stefan Arneo. Yeah, Arneo. Stefan Arneo. Stefan Arneo. That he, book, exactly, uh, that's the book I was about to talk about. Hard, hard Times, time, Great Strong, strong Man, and so on and so on. We and know the same. It, it, I'm pretty sure that's the name of the book, but like the yeah. cycle is hard times create strong men, strong men create great times, great times create weak men, weak men create hard times. Right. Right. And I'm like, that's it. But so we were raised, both of us, in the Mormon religion. And in the Book of Mormon, that's one of the biggest things they talk about is the pride cycle is what they call it, where you have a society, they have to struggle and humble themselves, quote unquote, before God. And then they all of a sudden start being successful and they start thriving. And then they get super prideful where it's like they're, you know, not helping the poor and all that jazz. And then it goes back to like they get persecuted by like God and God allows bad things to happen to them. And then they get back to the beginning where they have to be humble. Where they're humble again at the start over from scratch. Right, exactly. And it's, it's one of those things where... Again, it goes back to human nature. Like humans, if things start to get easier, we're going to ride that gravy chain as much as possible because we can't help it. Like it's just how we are. It, we, it all comes down to energy, right? Like how much energy are you going to have to expand to like go get those things? And most people aren't willing to expand that much energy to go out and do that stuff, right? Mm. No matter how much they say. Like I hate that argument. Well, you know, the single mom who's raising two kids by herself and working two jobs. Like, yeah, go tell her to work harder. I'm like, I wouldn't tell her to work harder. I would say use leverage. Because working hard is a finite material, right? Hard work and energy is finite. However, leverage, meaning other people's energy, systems, uh, machines, etc., that is an infinite potential. And the most successful people in history are always the ones who leverage bigger systems and things other than just themselves. For example, marketing would be a good leveraging system for that. Exactly. Exactly. So that's, yeah, at the end of the day, that's why I'm a big believer in not just in marketing, but just in the ability to... Get people to ultimately see 
a better part of themselves really because right. i mean really if i had to say that's the one thing i want to do in marketing it's that right there it's to get people to realize like hey i have a lot more power than i thought i had because i don't have to keep staying in this circumstance or this situation yeah it might be harder for me than other people because of where i was born or my skin color or things like that i do agree with that kind well there's, of there's always going to be external things that are outside of your control but harder doesn't right? mean impossible and i think right. a lot of people agree right. with that it's like well it's so much harder for these people so there's no way it's like well no that's that's not true like just because it's a lot harder doesn't mean that they can't do it and yeah it's unfair that's a lot harder but guess what that's going to be life sometimes too right um and I wish there were ways that we could make it like give everybody the same eat. But here's the thing, though. Even if you made, and I could guarantee this, even if you gave everybody the exact same even playing field, resources to start out with, networking abilities, all you're still going right? to have different outcomes. No matter what, they're still going to be the same type of outcomes we're seeing right now, where it's quote unquote so unfair. Right. I'm like, right. it's still going to be the same thing because only those few people are willing to go out and put the work in. So. Right. No, I agree. There's a book I just finished. Not to get too off topic because right. we're getting more political and that's fine I, i'm fine this the conversation was meant to just go whatever direction today right and kind of you share where you're at what you do but what you're bringing up brought up uh, this book i read i'm reading by john mcwarder i don't know if you know who he is he's a professor from columbia he's a linguist mm, okay brilliant guy brilliant guy more he's more left-leaning but I, I really like his views yeah. and it's opened my eyes to a, a lot of different things yeah and he wrote a book called woke racism uh-huh <laughs> I know I might piss off some people by talking about this subject and stuff uh, because I'm definitely not. It's like go read the book before you get pissed off. I'm not. I'm not a woke uh, supporter of the whole woke ideology. No. It doesn't mean I don't care for the people who right, participate and support the woke ideology, right? Because there's a lot of them that have noble reasons. They 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 want to yeah. do good. They feel like. In my opinion, though, I would look at it and say they're blinded by an ideology as much as I would say someone who is part of a cult-like religion because yeah. it's no different. Yeah, it's exactly. But in there, he talks about um, that very thing you were mentioning, which was – what was the last thing you said real quick? My brain about, was – About like marketing or – um, The last thing you said before I, I cut you off going into the John McWhorter's book, Wealth Racism. I believe the last thing I said was that um, the vast majority of people, they're not going to put in the energy to like – actually learn and, and do the things that are going to help. Oh, oh, I was saying that even if you gave everybody an absolute yes. even playing field, the outcomes are still going to, what we see right now is still going to be the exact same because right. there's only that many people right. who are going to go out and leverage different things. Yeah, and to, actually to go to your point, And he's, he brought up a ton of research. I'm not able to quote on it here cause I don't yeah. have a, a photographic memory yet. Huh. <laughs> You'll get that. Right. But, um, he does talk about that whole thing and how so many people have tried to do that, to pump right. all these resources and money into creating this where it's more of an equal or equity and equal right. outcome across right. the board, and it really actually did the complete opposite. Exactly. It, it did not help at all. It talked yeah. about this, I think it was a billionaire or someone who was extremely wealthy back in the East in Philly or something like that who adopted over a hundred and something uh, black orphans. Mm -hmm. Now, I look, anyone listening to this, I'm no racist by any means. If you want to call me racist, fine, but this is coming from someone who is actually black that's bringing this research in. Right. Um, I have nothing against anyone of any skin color. I am more or less about talking ideas and attacking an idea, not an individual for what they believe. Right. But and it, this guy, he adopted all them and he gave them all the resources necessary. Right. He paid for everything. Right. Got them the best schooling, tutoring, after school activities paid for college in the future based on certain conditions. Mm -hmm. Like, look, I'm, I'm going to give this to all of you. You just got to make sure one, just no crime Two, yeah, no, don't get pregnant before. Right. right. Married, not married. It was something else right, like, right, right. in, in yeah. high school or whatever right. it was. And what had happened, 
most of them didn't make it. Yeah. Right. Because it didn't. And, and there's there's a bigger problem there than just simply giving people resources. Right. There's just a belief system within, and now you can tie that to maybe how people were cheated, treated throughout generations. For sure. And a but, gener- generational type of mindset that's now stuck. And you can tie that to, hey, maybe things in the past contributed to that. Sure. I mean, that's right. a fair fair argument. But it shows that does, that just doesn't fix it. But complaining about what happened in the past doesn't fix it. Doesn't what happen. happened, it was happening And today. keeping people stuck in a victimhood yeah. mindset, I don't right, care right. who you are, totally. is not like if you look at some of the people who have come out like the strongest that were actually victims, what did they right. do? They didn't stay in victimhood. No. They acknowledged, look, this sucked. They used it. This is out. unfair right. and not unjust, but what is my way out? My way out isn't to sit here and to always point the finger at right. everything in the system. It's like I have to take responsibility now for my choices and right. how I choose to. Now, not everybody has that same capability, right? But, well, everybody responds differently to trauma in their life. Right. I should say that. But with the right guidance and, and help, too, to some degree, you, you, can, you can get yeah. out of it if you choose to overcome such things in your mind, right? I the whole agree. idea of defying the odds. Lay down and go to bed. Lay down. But anyways, I wanted to bring that up because to prove your point, a lot of the research shows when you try to do that and just create this so-called... No, I'm all for it. Nothing's wrong with giving people the opportunity. Equal opportunity. Right, I totally agree with that. But to force an outcome and think this is going to guarantee you by giving you more than somebody else, it just does not work. I can't remember if it was Joe Rogan himself or somebody who was on one of his shows, but they essentially said like people are fighting for uh, equal outcome right now, mm-hmm. as opposed to equal opportunity to achieve. An equal outcome is incredibly unrealistic and damaging. It's to equity, society. it's equity. Yeah. Whereas giving everybody the same opportunity to like go out and start something, that's far more realistic and far more manageable because right. then. You know, yeah, a lot, just as many people will fail, but at least they had the chance to go out and start right. it. So it's, it may not always be fair or just because things do happen outside of our control, right? right? But hopefully the system in place, right. when those things do happen, can help rectify like, the wrongs that were done. But that's talking if someone legitimately goes out of the way to harm an individual right. versus just the natural Which does happen. functions in life when you screw up because right. you don't know what you're doing. And that does happen, but I would argue that that people going out of the way to truly hurt somebody else is the exception of the rule, often. even though we're often told that that's like what happens. But to right, right. back to the original topic, like the only reason I am in the career I am in, in today, again, I didn't go to school for this. I didn't like do any sort of formal education. I have taught myself through uh, failure and their experimentation and failure and learning from other people too, um, who also do it and things like that. Because at the end of the day, I could have given up on this a long time ago and probably gone and developed like my sales abilities or, you know, I love public speaking. So I could have gone and developed that a lot more and likely would be making more, still can for sure. Like I could likely be making more money right now, but as far as like what I actually want to do in the future, I don't know if I would get to where I want to be ultimately if I did go down those routes, right, whereas I right. feel like developing this skill set is something I can take to anything I like. So case in point to this, I'm working on a uh, like an NFT game project right now, and I don't want to give too many details away because we're still kind of developing it. But I know the biggest thing I can contribute to this project. One is I mean, it was originally my idea. So there's that. But then two is the marketing of it. And I know nobody else I'm working with on this right now knows how to market at all. Um, I mean, that's not true. I'm sure they know small bits and pieces, but like, that's the one thing where I'm like, yeah, like to get anything out there, you have to know how to market and sell it. Right. And that's something I know how to do without question. 
So this is a, it's a, and this is what I would tell most people is don't focus so much on like the actual outcome of like your career or things like that. Focus on the skills that you have to earn right. for that because, because the outcome is always going to be different. Yeah, the outcome's not going to matter. Person. But if you have a skill to sell, to public speak, to market, to yeah. you know manage spreadsheets, which is something that's really valuable well, in this day and age, nowadays, right. right? If you have a skill, you will always have something that you can do. Right. Like that's the one thing right. I would say. So many people, it's that college education. Like, well, I got my degree in this. It's like, okay, but what's the skill that you actually learned? Right. You right. know, what like, can you actually bring value exactly. of? That's going to make you more valuable because to this company or whatever you're saying. Doing. I got a degree is great. It means you were able well, to regurgitate. Some discipline. Yeah, it showed right. you can regurgitate facts for a test. But like actually going and doing it, what do you actually practical applications? Are right. Exactly. Story. It totally. I, if I had a nickel for every time I've talked to somebody who's doing marketing in school. And they'll tell me stuff, and I'm like, man, I've learned that like five years ago. Like, is that really what they're teaching now? Like, well, yeah, you know. And it's like, my professor like does this every single day. I'm like, yeah, but like, but, I can already tell you they're behind. Like, right. What is he doing to, in real life? Is he actually yeah. using that marketing outside of school? Right. I mean, right. Does it actually work in practical life? Like, that's a good. I like that to give an example of that too. One of my best friends, he's up in Seattle, right? Mm -hmm. He's a UX UI designer. Poor. <laughs> he loves it up there. Sure. Well, he's out, not in the city limits. Seattle, he's more Seattle's in Redmond. Not, Seattle's not too bad. He's more in Redmond, so a little like 30 minutes outside of Seattle. Yeah, it's still too cloudy. <laughs> but um, he, UX UI, he's been doing it since he was 17. Never right. went to college for it. Right. It's a super valuable skill. Um, oh, dude, too. and the guy is very articulate. He knows how right. to speak. He knows how to write. Right. You know, he's written his own book before and all that stuff. So he just hasn't published anything. Yeah, right? yeah. He just, but. But one thing he's noticed between him and all the people who went to school, he says the people in school lack creativity. Yeah. Because right? all they're doing is following what they've been told. Right. Where what he's done is he's just literally he taught himself, then went out there into the real world and real world and started offering his skills, even when yeah. he was very beginner. And people were willing to yeah. give him a try, and he's like, all right, let me try. And he screwed up a lot, but a lot of people still coming back to me got better and better and yeah. better. But it was in real life so he learned exactly. how does this work yeah. in the real world and he yeah. became a brilliant ux ui designer like incredible because yeah. of the constant exposure to what's in reality versus theory in a classroom one of the one of the people i love the most right now in the world is elon musk and the only reason why is because he's taken all these things that people said were impossible and he's completely done them you know what i mean right. like oh there's no way you're going to be able to start a car company that rivals like ford and now his car company is worth more what than did he all do? of them he, combined he took it online <clears throat> instead of an actual dealership he well, doesn't he, sell it the same way and tesla is now worth more than all of them put together right. like it's so crazy but the thing he always said is he's like i'm not just going to hire somebody because they have a master's degree or something like, right. i need to see that they've actually gone out and done something engineering wise that makes sense right and the reason that all this stuff that he's done has worked is because they're taking real mathematical engineering principles to these different problems they're not going like oh i'm a car manufacturer so i just need to build cars it's like oh, how can we do it better like how can we improve this process how can we and they're doing all these things that have completely revolutionized it because they're taking a, a kind of broad concept like oh let's make an electric car and then they're marrying that to real math and real principles and you could do the same thing with marketing you could do the same thing with everything you don't even have to know the math like right. if you marry an idea to real principles and things that make a difference yeah you can achieve whatever you want in life like that's ultimately what it comes down to and i think that's there's a key thing that the to kind of point out there with like this idea of musk and like equality or equity right, right? Um, because I do agree with you at the same time though, is like, all right, what is it you want to achieve? Right. Because maybe you're not a Musk and you're not going to achieve, most people aren't going to achieve what a Musk has done no. or a Bezos. That's why there's only so few people, of those guys. Right. Or women so too. it's just like, so yeah. 
got to define what you really want because by wanting to be someone like that, is that really what you want or does yeah. that just sound good? Because in reality, that sounds like a life that you're going to try be equal in that you're never going to attain it and right. feel like you're a piece of shit. Right. Because you're comparing yourself to what to somebody else has done. To something that's unrealistic for you. Right. It's, yeah. un- and it's for most people. Yeah. But it shouldn't stop one from developing the no, skills exactly. because it still makes you valuable and it still makes it so you can make your life one that's actually worth living that you enjoy. But that's my point too is Elon Musk wouldn't have been able to achieve any of the things he's done without developing those engineering skills of his right. own. His right. own fascination and allowing that to run exactly. free yeah, in yeah, a yeah. sense. I mean, same with Jeff Bezos. Like it, uh, every single as much as I don't person, care for really, really big business, I'm right. not a big fan of big business like this. Neither but, am I. But. The idea, I get the idea. But my point is, it still stands that any successful person in history, they always married some skill to something. One of my favorite people was Napoleon, um, Mm. and not because of anything in particular, it's because he took something at the time that was unique, which was how to move cannons around the battlefield quickly, and he turned it into like just destroying everybody for like many, many years until they finally caught up to him, and then they surpassed him because he got too egotistical in his own like. But he was uh, the one to trailblaze that idea. Exactly. Like, and then eventually people like caught up to it and surpassed him, which is why he ultimately lost. He didn't keep innovating, whereas... He got stuck and comfortable. Exactly. But he married a real skill of his, which was he knew how to do that because he was originally a cavalry cavalry and a cannon commander. And he's like, oh, wait, I can do this now? And then he started doing it on a bigger scale. He's like, nobody can stop this. Like, okay, right. let's do this, you know? So it, it's just, it's crazy. And I think this is something I want to teach my kids is so much as they get continue to get older. So my... I have two sons right now, and we have a, a daughter on the way. Um, and my son is six. My one son is six. And my other son is three. Now, my son who's six, he has ADHD like I do, and it's you know very apparent. But the one thing I, I was never, for me growing up, ADHD was still something that was, I'm not gonna say it wasn't understood, but it was something that they don't have anywhere near. They didn't have anywhere near the amount of like um, knowledge on it back then as they do today, right? Especially when I was a kid, and I really needed that kind of extra support. Um, that kids can get now and it's still not as much as they need it, but they can get it now. Whereas back then, like it wasn't really a thing, right? It wasn't something that was talked about a lot or even mentioned. It was more of an embarrassment for the parents. Like, Oh yeah, my kid's broken, you know? Um, but for me, it was one of those things where I I wish somebody could have gone back in time and told me that like, Hey, stop focusing on like, Oh, do I know how to do this multiplication problem? Well, or this, like, look at the skills that you can develop and start developing those in your life. Because that, if every single day you can go back and go, yeah, yeah, I sucked at math today, which I usually did, but I still pushed through it in this way. And I was also able to develop my communication mm. because I was able to better communicate that I wasn't understanding this or this or that. Right. Gives it a whole new perspective as opposed to just like, oh, I'm a terrible person. I can't do this to like, oh, okay. Didn't do it as well as I wanted, but now I can move forward because I know I improved at this. Right. right? Oh, I love that. I think that's a very powerful so, message right there. Yeah, and granted, like, you know, my son, even my six-year-old right now, he, it's still not something he's going to understand anytime soon. But once he gets a little bit older and we can start having some of those deeper conversations, I'm very excited about that because it's like, hey, you don't have to, like, if somebody tells you you're a loser or something like that, it's like, okay, like, but what what do they know, right? Like, like that's the one thing I would say is I really wish I would have had some mentors or some people in my life to really help me give that kind of almost meditative view on things where it's like I could take a step away from it and be like, oh, no, that, that only has that meaning because I'm giving it that meaning right, right now, right. you know? So, because I've I've left the Mormon church, um, not like, I haven't taken like my records out or anything, but like I haven't really practiced or done anything in like four or five years with that. And it's, it's a big thing because that was something I was raised with. It was my entire life. Um, you're bred to go on a mission and do all that stuff, which to one of your questions at the beginning of this, which is, 
one of the hardest things for me to have to over had to have overcome in my life was I went on a, a two-year, it was supposed to be a two-year mission for the church, and I ended up coming back after six months because, you know, this is something I've learned as I got older. I didn't know at the time. When you have ADHD and you're not treating it, which I wasn't at the time, with medication or other things, because in high school, I would always self-medicate, right? It would be like listening to music, especially like loud music, like I listen to rap, heavy metal, um, all sorts of stuff, right? Just all over the place. But I could listen to it whenever I wanted, and it would help me kind of get into myself. I would play right. basketball for like two, three hours a day, um, which was also one of my biggest outlets. Being able to hang out with friends and talk and stuff was another big outlet. So then you're put into a mission, which uh, for those who don't know, a mission is like one of the most structured things you can do in your Very life routine, besides, right? being, besides being in the military. And right, I would right. argue the military is even more strict, but... Um, yeah, in many ways. Well, it's different. It's different, but even still, like you're, it's very regimented and structured. Which for somebody with ADHD, that it's it's hard already. And then you're going to throw them into a situation like that out of the blue. Like it, it it messed with me so much that I developed really really severe clinical depression because of that. Which is something that can happen when you're going through that. So I came home early, which at the time was extremely taboo, right? Mm-hmm. Like especially if it wasn't for like like you were deathly ill, right? Like that was the only reason to be okay, quote unquote, to come home early. So I came home, didn't really get the family support I was hoping for, and was essentially on my own after that, right? So I went from my whole life being built around this idea, like, I'm, I'm going to go out and do this, and then I'll figure it out after that, to where, like, I only made it six months on this thing. And, like, I was raised to believe if you didn't do the full two years, like, that was that was a bad thing. Like, you were essentially wicked, right? And that's my own perspective of it. I'm not saying that's, like, what the church necessarily teaches, but there's a lot of stuff that especially church leaders say where you kind of walk away you're like oh man like am i wicked is god punishing me you know for all this stuff so that was my belief for quite a few years so overcoming that has been especially after leaving all this has been it's been challenging for sure um but the ways that i've done that is through use of like psychedelics and also just kind of taking life as it comes like Mm. not no longer having this kind of finite, like, okay, this is what my outcome needs to be, but kind of more appreciating the journey, right? And I right. think, yeah, psychedelics has helped a lot with that. Meditation Let's, has, uh, you know, just yeah. having a good friend circle, things of that nature. They, they have all helped. Those things have helped you a lot with overcoming the odds that you've been facing. Exactly, gotcha. yeah. Well, let's, let's do this. I don't want to take the last, just because I... I have to unfortunately leave here in a, in a little yeah, bit, but no let's take the next six minutes or five minutes. I want you to okay. talk about that, okay? Because I know you're very passionate. And one thing you said you're passionate about I am. psychedelics. I am. So I know a lot of people are probably going to hear that and be like, right. "Oh no, they oh, just immediately yeah, shut yeah. off, right?" And they're going to think what people used to think about marijuana back right. a long yeah, time yeah. ago. Not that I'm necessarily a liker of marijuana myself, but. Fair. I want to get a different perspective on this whole thing and how it's helped you mm-hmm. overcome this. Yeah, so I'm a, I'm a daily user of marijuana, and I feel like what most of us were taught growing up that it's like if you use any substance whatsoever, that's not it, apparently drinking is totally fine, even though people abuse that way more than any. Well, that ca- that causes more harm than most of the other stuff. Exactly, especially a lot more than marijuana yeah. by far. So we're taught that growing up, and then like for me, and granted, I have an advantage in that. Yeah, again, I hate continuously bring this up, but I have ADHD, and people who have ADHD, we do tend to get addicted to substance more often, but we can also handle them more easily because we can compart- we can compartmentalize the use of them after other things that we're doing in our lives and things like that too. So for me, I use it kind of like a reward system. Like most people at night would have a beer. For me, it's it's that instead, right? Right. Um, but even the preceding marijuana was mushrooms um and the way i got into it was just out of curiosity because i'm like okay i started taking these things called lion's mane 
which is a medicinal mushroom, meaning it's not going to make it's not psychedelic. Well, you, you can, can get lion's mane at freaking Good Earth and all those places. You can get on Amazon, it, right? yeah, and it's phenomenal. It's I call it nature's Adderall. It's absolutely incredible. Helps. And I remember listening to a Joe Rogan podcast episode where he had this guy on who's a mycologist, aka studies like fungi and mushrooms, you know, both psychedelic and non, etc. And he brought up this concept where he said, like, if you do lion's mane with like a small dosage of psilocybin, which is the compound in mushrooms that's psychedelic, makes you see stuff. Yeah. And then I think one other thing like niacin, it's like it will actually regrow neural pathways in your mind. It'll put them, reconnect them that were broken from trauma and thing. I was like, oh, that sounds absolutely fascinating, right? So then I started using it from that standpoint of like, oh, I want to see where this takes me. Does it heal my mind, et cetera? And I can say unequivocally, at least for me, it, it has. It's done a lot of things that have really helped me to not only manage my emotions better and you know kind of see life in a more meditative state but it also what i would tell people who are apprehensive about it is when you do especially a heavier amount of psilocybin you're going to it's like going through five years of therapy in five hours wow. it is the is the easiest way i can describe it most experiences i've had some are just you're super happy and giggly the whole time and usually that's what most people want which i'm like that too also heals a lot more than what people would give credit for. Just being able to sit there and just be in this euphoric state for like four or five hours has an incredible healing process to it, right? Um, but for me, it's been, I've had multiple experiences where I don't necessarily see stuff. Like I walk outside and like I see something that's like not Like the typical there. thing you see commercialized about it or on Exactly, like I've, I've never personally had an experience where I've just like seen something that wasn't actually there, right? If right. I close my eyes, then yeah, I see can see some crazy stuff, but even then it's not anywhere near to the level that it's always commercialized or talked about. But the one thing that's not talked about enough with all of it, and there's starting to become a lot more research behind this, is the healing qualities of it. And not just healing of your mind, but your emotional healing that can happen from it. And it is, it, there's a lot of studies now that they're using psilocybin for uh, veterans who have yes. PTSD, yeah, and I, it's I read healing that them study. very, like, incredibly yeah. well. Like, I think the last time I read something was maybe 2019 about that, where yeah. it said, after the third try, 75% Is that the first done, try? What was it, the first or third? So the first try, third. it's like 75% were good for like a good two, three well, the, years. Well, I mean, the third one completely healed. Yeah, exactly. After the third try of uh, microdosing of psilocybin. Right. The one I'm talking about is them doing like a heavy amount. Oh, like a heavy five amount. Grams, oh, gotcha. where it's like you, you, what they call a hero's journey. A hero's journey is essentially you do five to eight grams. If you do more than that, apparently it's just like you're, it's diminishing returns. Like it's Interesting. Like you're going to, you'll see stuff and it'll be like, really powerful but it's like you're you're only it's like you can only get so drunk right right you can only get so blacked out and it's kind of the same there's, thing with there's a limit to stuff. things right. where it's effectiveness exactly. does stop exactly like it just cuts off after a point so five to, straight up, this destroys you so five to eight grams is usually what they call the hero's journey and i've done five probably three or four times and that's it like usually i'll do about three to five which is a really good space to be for most people. But yeah, even what you're saying, microdosing just by itself can be really, really powerful. Mm. It's where you do such a small amount, you're not you're not gonna trip, you're not gonna see stuff, but you're still gonna get a lot of the positive benefits of it. Right, right. right. And the last kind of point I'll make on it is like, the thing with mushrooms that I find so fascinating is it's from the earth. You literally, the, the ones that they know about and they've studied, you don't have to do anything to them whatsoever to chemically alter them at all. All you have to do is consume it in some way. Um, you can eat it. My favorite way is you put it into a teapot, boil the water, and it gets it all into the water, and then you pour that in, and you drink that, because then it doesn't taste anywhere near as terrible. But <laughs> but the point is, 
there's as long as you consume it literally you can just take it from the ground and it's i legitimately look at it in a way of like this is a gift from the earth to you right to heal and to like connect and do all these things and it really works in that way so above all else i would say in my life that's been one of the things that's had the greatest impact that and uh meditating Meditating. consistently which i've had the past two weeks before that it was kind of on and off again but yeah those two things together i think are just incredibly incredibly powerful so you would say in regards to like the trauma and everything you've tried to overcome mm-hmm. in your struggles those two things have been the most influential and beneficial without question without yeah question. without gotcha. without question like it, it's not even close to on all, all, right. the, all the stuff in my life like i i'm trying to think here like the fine like truly the final point i'll make is that when all is said and done um yeah i, I would tell people if you if you really do want to go out and use psychedelics one don't go out in public and do it. Like, don't be an idiot. Just do it in a safe, controlled environment. Controlled environment. Number two is make sure there are people there who are not on it. That if like you really feel like you're losing it, that they can come and hug you. They can give you what you need, etc. Um, because they say there are three things when it comes to it: it's set, setting, and dosage, right? And the set is like the people you're with. The setting is like: are you at your home? Are you in a place that you're comfortable? Your surroundings, and then the dosage. Don't do too much your right, first right, time, right? Because especially if you're, I guess, your mental state. If you're in the wrong place, it can really go. The yeah, wrong. exactly. Have an adverse exactly. Like I, the thing I'm most excited about over the next couple of years is as it as psilocybin gets more legalized for therapeutic use, meaning you can go with an actual therapist who can walk you through stuff while you're oh, in that state. Oh, I see. So actual which, session, they'll take you through. Right, which I've never actually personally done which i i want to do that even though i've done it so many times without that i'm like still the power of having somebody who can walk you through stuff and while someone you who understands you and your thoughts and the trauma you're going and through. they can ask the right questions right. and help you to see stuff differently help you actually address whatever it is you're trying to hide That's and don't want like, to face like that alone is something i'm most excited right. about for the future because it's just so many people will heal from that that need it yeah and it's going to yeah. be absolutely 100%. incredible so so well i want to end up by asking you a couple questions sure then. Um, shoot First is like, what are two or three things you can recommend to people who are listening to this, right? Mm-hmm. That um, they can do that, whatever they're facing, right? Whatever odds that are against them, what are a couple things you can recommend for them to help them overcome those things? Now everybody's going to be different, right? So right. It's, it's it's just more or less like you, in your opinion, things that have helped you the most that you could give that advice for. Um, I'd say number one is meditation like having some sort of meditation practice my the one i recommend there's this app called one giant mind it's free absolutely incredible it walks you through how to do the type of meditation that's my favorite which is a a mantra meditation so unbelievable definitely recommend that um because it could be 10 minutes a day like everybody has 10 minutes to do that so that's number one number two would be like focus on a skill stop focusing on everything in your life that's wrong and focus on something that you can actually build and get improved at like and it could be anything legitimately anything it doesn't have to be something that makes you crazy amounts of money like if you don't cook right now learn how to do that there's like you can learn anything you want through youtube today legitimate there's really no excuse you can learn literally nothing you cannot learn through that and it's all free and it's all laid out like beautifully you can learn how to market on youtube really really well for free so like there's no more barrier to entry on all this stuff, like except for I guess not having internet. But you know, right. everybody who listens will likely have the internet. So, <laughs> so <laughs> we well, hope so, right? So yeah. So I would say stop focusing all the bad things in your life, um, and focus on like stuff you can actually control and like develop skills and right. stuff that you right. can measure every day. And then number three, actually, and this is a recent one for me, is develop gratitude. For even if your life sucks, like I guarantee you, just the fact that you're breathing and that you can move freely is something that you can be grateful for. Yeah. 
over what a lot of people there are many many people on the planet who don't who can't do those things right, right? there's always someone who's less off not as well up as you yeah, are it's like, and it's, oh, what was it i want to say it was either zig ziglar or jim Rohn and a talk they gave where they say, if you really want to feel grateful, go look at the obituary in your paper and then realize every single one of those people would trade anything to be where you are right now right. because they're not here anymore, right? right? And it's like, yeah. So those three, yeah, those three things, meditation, develop a skill of some kind, and then, yeah, develop gratitude practice right. of like, like overwhelming gratitude. And then right. your life will be infinitely better. Like I can't really... Uh was it test? I hate using the word testify, just right, given yeah, what yeah, we've yeah. come from, because it, it, but it doesn't have to necessarily be associated with that. Right, 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 but right, testify yeah, to yeah. the strength and the power of gratitude. Yeah, it really makes life that much easier. Yeah, and better when you actually do have gratitude, even yeah. even if t your life sucks in that moment. Especially if you can find gratitude. Be grateful for the, for the crap. That Exactly. That yeah. you're going through. Because, uh, and we've talked about this recently too, yeah. it's not necessarily you're grateful that the crap is happening to you. You're grateful right. for what the crap yeah. is teaching you or what the crap is helping you to realize or... What is helping you become in the process. Exactly. Like I go back to that thing that happened with my mission all the time where I came home and I didn't get the support I felt like I wanted or needed at the time. But I'm grateful for it because it forced me mm. to then find the support for myself or at least to start searching for it and to looking for it in ways that wasn't external, it was internal. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Still sucked to go through it. and But at the same time, I'm grateful I went through it because I know otherwise would not have ever developed that okay. so i love that yeah. and last thing is just where can people if people want to connect with you where can they find you uh you can find me ooh, great question i mean i'm on facebook I'm on instagram uh, my instagram handle is cody barlow 23 uh facebook is just cody barlow there's a lot of us on there though so you have to <laughs> find me um I'm trying to think what else i'm also on linkedin uh but other than that yeah you could always just message me find me on instagram right. and uh, message me there but yeah, at the end of the day, I don't know. I don't really, I don't really have that many people message me out of the blue about that, stuff. So, well, well I mean, this is just this is a way if people do want to connect, they can. If yeah. not, hopefully anybody, this, anybody can. Hopefully, yeah. the topics and the conversation here was useful and helpful to somebody. For out sure, there. for sure. So, but hey, thanks for yeah, hopping on. This, uh, this was fun. fun. I enjoyed I doing it. this. I stuff. love it. Yeah. So, but anyways, guys, thank you for listening. Until next time, defy the odds.